Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations. We begin with a conversation with French journalist Anne Isabel Tollet about her book Blasphemy, about a Pakistani Christian woman who is awaiting execution on the charge of blasphemy. Then, we speak with Matthew and Michael Paul Leon of the Jacob and Matthew Band and listen to their music. In our second half hour, we will speak with Father Scott Hurd about his new book, When Faith Feels Fragile, and we end the show by speaking with Sarah Hart about her new album for people dealing with grief, Above Earth's Lamentation. We begin now with Anisabel Tollet and Blasphemy. Now, you may or may not have heard of Asia Bibi. She's a Pakistani Christian woman, a mother of five, and she has been sentenced to death by hanging under her country's blasphemy law. She's been in jail for four years and is currently awaiting the results of an appeal. And to explain, I am now joined by Anisabel Tolle. She's the author of Blasphemy, a memoir. Anisabel, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for welcoming so the way I understand it is that the blasphemy law has to do with blas with blasphemy against the Prophet Muhammad, but Asya Bibi drank a glass of water, a cup of water. So exactly, can you explain a little bit what happened and how it ended up being blasphemy? Oh yes, it's a it's a crazy story actually. Um, um, she was she was uh, as a, a farm worker in the field uh, to pick up some fruits to get uh -huh. to to earn some money. And she was the only uh, Christian woman in the field. Uh, the rest of the women was Muslim, and she the it uh, was burning. You know, it was in uh, June uh, 2009, and uh, she used the same cup as those Muslim women uh, in the whale. And because uh, for the Muslim woman, water served by a Christian woman uh, become. Unclean. Unclean, and uh, so they considered that uh, uh, the well uh, becomes impure because she, she used the same cup, the same glass of water in the well. Right. So it's absolutely uh, crazy, and uh, Asia Bibi um, uh, was not agree with one of the women who who said that, uh -huh. and she she just uh, told that um, you know I'm not sure that. Um, um, the Prophet Muhammad will share the same opinion as you. Right. And because she pronounced the name of the Prophet Muhammad, and because she is Christian, um, the woman became absolutely crazy, and, and all of the women uh, said, oh, you have committed a blasphemy, blasphemy. because you are not allowed to talk uh, for the Prophet Muhammad. Right, so it wasn't just the fact that she drank water from the same well and using the same cup of, that was reserved for Muslims, but the fact that she said that she didn't think the Prophet Muhammad would agree with these yes, women. Yes, foolishly she, 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 she said that, because if she didn't say anything about the cup of water, you know, it would have been um, I think uh, everything w would be okay. Um, there's no, it's no, not yeah. a big uh, question, uh, it's not a, a big deal about uh, the cup of water, but it's because she, she talked uh, about the, the Prophet, Prophet Muhammad, and Muhammad. because she's Christian for Muslim people, especially in the village, you know, right. in the rural country, and people are not really instructed. Right. Um, uh -huh. they, 
they feel that uh, Christians people have to put their head uh, down and they are not allowed to, to talk uh, for the prophet and to talk about Islam and to talk, to talk uh, um, about everything um, in the in 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 Muslim religion. Right. Now, here in Canada, in North America, and, and I don't know about in France, but we hear a lot about Sharia law. So, I- is this what happened to her, that she was sentenced or judged according to this Sharia law? Oh, uh, you know, uh, in Pakistan, it's a federal government. Uh-huh. And, um, yes, the, the, it is a kind of uh, moderate Sharia law. Uh-huh. But the blasphemy uh, law, it's a very important law in Pakistan. And, uh, and people um, uh, can be uh, thrown in prison or, or sentenced to death for blasphemy. But the problem is that it's difficult to 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 investigate or to to to, to prove that uh, the blasphemy has been uh, committed. Mm-hmm. And the pressure of uh, the extremists and the religious party uh, is uh, is huge. So the the government, the democratic government, uh, uh, don't want to change the law because they they are they're scared about the Taliban and extremists and uh, religious parties who who are right. very strong in Pakistan. Right, and they and they have good reason to be scared because there have been politicians who've who've spoken on behalf of Asia Bibi and they were killed. Oh yes, you're right. Uh, two two major politicians in Pakistan. First, it was uh, Salman Taseer. He was uh, the the governor of Punjab, and it's very important to precise that it was Muslim, and he was killed because uh, he support he, he was supporting Asia Bibi. And uh, the second was uh, Shabazz Bati, was the, the minister of the uh, minority in Pakistan, and for the same reason, for supporting Asia Bibi. He was killed by uh, Taliban. Yes, we heard a lot about Shabazz Bhatti. In fact, he had mm-hmm. met with Pope Benedict uh, to speak about the, the, the issues with uh, this particular situation and others in Pakistan. And, and Salman Tazir, who, as you said, was a Muslim. So, so this law does not only affect non-Muslims. No, no, no. It's very important to, to, to say that because... Uh, um, uh, I'm really concerned that the blasphemy is only being presented of the narrow aspect of Catholic discrimination on Muslim soil. Right. But um, I don't want to, that my book would be perceived as anti-Islam. This is absolutely not my and Asia Bibi intention or belief. Mm-hmm. And uh, Asia Bibi is absolutely respectful of this uh, religion and the country in which she grew up. She, she's, she's Christian, but she's Pakistani. <laughs> right. Now, tell me something, and this was the first question I had before I read the book, uh, but for our listeners, you were not able to meet Asya. You never have met her. You've only met her husband and other people in her family. How, how do we say then that she wrote the book? Because you've been very careful at saying that you didn't write the book. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I try many times with my friend Shabazz Bati to meet uh, Asia Bibi when uh, Shabazz uh, was still alive. But um, um, the director of the jail uh, in Shekupura didn't want that uh, I, I met uh, Asia Bibi because he and it and uh, globally the politicians didn't want that uh, foreign journalists uh, talk about this story. Right. So it wasn't easy to write the book. 
But you know, I, I knew Pakistan and the Christian minority very well because I had been living in Pakistan for three years uh -huh. as a journalist. So I could understand the people. I, I met uh, Asia's sister. I knew her children and husband. As I asked them many questions about her. Asked them about what she was like and about her face and about their feeling about life. And because I was involved with involved in this story, I knew Shabazz Bati. Yes. Uh, I knew many things about the situation and about the family. Even though I never met Asia Bibi, I was able to interview her indirectly, as you said, by asking questions for her husband, who was allowed to visit her mm -hmm. once a week at the jail. Right. So I could also uh, imagine where she was, because I used to visit different jails in uh, Pakistan for other stories. Right. And, and you've written the book in first person. I mean, it does read as if Asia had written it herself, which is oh, which when fascinating. When I wrote the book, uh, it was uh, immediately, immediately uh, translated in English, and I asked uh, at one of my friends who were uh, a lawyer, so he was um, allowed to visit Asia in the prison, and I asked ask him to read, uh, to translate to Asia, uh, front of her, uh, my book in Urdu, because she can't read English, uh -huh. so she can't read anything, but she, she can understand Urdu. Uh -huh. And she was really surprised, because uh, uh, she, she, she was so happy about what I, what I wrote for her, you know. Right. Um, she said, wow, it's, it's exactly what's happened, it's exactly my feelings, it's uh, exactly what I'm living. Right, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, she's waiting for an appeal, correct? So she's been oh, sentenced yes. to she death. She asked the high court to take her case. Yes. Because in the village, the justice is not very fair, you know. But nothing happened since she was thrown in jail in 2008. Yes. Yes. So she's been waiting. She has a lawyer, presumably. Uh, no. She no. doesn't uh, anymore. She, she, she has lost uh, his lawyer because uh, he, was, uh, he received some treats. Threats. So uh, uh -huh. he didn't want to... Uh, to, to, to support uh, Asia Bibi. Uh, so no one's really speaking on her behalf. You yourself received threats for writing the book. You're no longer in Pakistan. So who's helping Asia Bibi now? <laughs> um, actually, um, uh, I'm still very in touch with the family. Uh -huh. And uh, I try... Um, because I'm, I'm talking to you with the media and because the, the, the book is launched in USA, I try to, to make some noise, you know? Yes. The, 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 the release of blasphemy in the US is a fantastic opportunity to talk about our tragedy. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, I think that if we, we still talk about the Bibi situation and about our terrific tragedy, um, one day uh, she will be released because uh, you know Pakistan government are not very comfortable with this uh, situation. Yeah. Because it's important for the Pakistan to to uh, to, to 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 have a, a good um, uh, you know to to be a, a good country around the world, and because of uh, yes, BB situation, they are not comfortable with that because the international community. Uh, ask to Pakistan government to do something for Asia Bibi. And so uh, I trust that uh, one day it will pay, actually. Mm -hmm. well, that's if we don't forget her, if we don't forget the situation of Asia Bibi and of uh, 
many people in uh, United uh, in uh, Pakistan because many people are She's not from the only jail one, because yes. of the blasphemy law. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it will work one day. Yeah, well, that's what we're trying to do here now. Let people know. Hopefully, a lot of our listeners are are going to be moved by this story. Anisabel, thank you very much for writing the book and for the work that you're doing. Uh, and and, and you're let's, welcome. let's keep praying for Asia Bibi. If you want to learn more about Asia Bibi, you can visit the website callformercy.com or persecution.com. There's also a petition there that can be signed. Anisabel Tolle is an independent journalist, and she was the international reporter for News Channel France 24 and was the permanent correspondent in Islamabad, Pakistan, between 2008 and 2011. Asia Bibi dictated her story to her through her husband, and the book is called Blasphemy, a memoir sentenced to death over a cup of water, and is published by Chicago Review Press. And here now is our featured band of the week, Jacob and Matthew Band, with Take This Life from their new album, Trust. Separate me Pull me apart Tear these walls down You see through All of me Unashamed Suddenly I'm awake Nothing else can compare To your Take 
That was the Jacob and Matthew band with Take This Life from their album Trust. Now Jacob Villalobos and Matthew Leon came together as high school students to sing at a weekend retreat in their hometown in Southern California. And this was the first time that the two came together to lead worship, but that was the beginning of a great partnership. As time went on, requests for them continued coming and the pair were now on demand. Today, the Jacob and Matthew Band has five members, and you can tell by their music they are actually saying that they can praise God and at the same time rock out. And I had the chance to meet the Jacob and Matthew Band this past summer in Rio de Janeiro for World Youth Day, and so I'm very happy to welcome two of the band members, founding member Matthew Leon and his brother Michael Paul. Welcome you guys to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thanks for having us, Deacon. Thank you, Deacon. So, Matthew, um, I've, I've read that you described receiving an anointing during that retreat when you first played with Jacob. What, what, what do you mean, an anointing? Well, when, when I agreed to say yes uh, to doing the retreat with Jacob, I was just getting out of a, a record contract. Michael Paul and I were getting out of a record contract with Atlantic Records. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, for a little bit, I, I would say that I was um, a little disappointed and kind of overdoing music. So when Jacob contacted me to help out at the parish uh, on the retreat, I was a little bit hesitant, um, not because I didn't want to help out with the retreat, just because I was uh, questioning my musical abilities. Mm-hmm. So when we went on the retreat and uh, I agreed to do it, there, the, 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 the spirit that was moving um, in, in the retreat was just very, very uh, present and very evident. And it was the first time that I felt a calling to do something that that wasn't for my own will, but but just to give back my gift that God has has given me. So right. So it was some sort of confirmation there for you. As absolutely. Well. There was now, there was a big confirmation. Okay. Let me just get some background though. How old were you? I was 19 years old at this time. Okay. So you weren't in high school. No. 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 Um, at, right out of high school, we were signed to Atlantic Records. You and your and, brother. Yes. Correct. And um, but oh, sorry, and doing secular yeah. music. Correct. Yes. Doing secular music. Okay. So, and you you knew this Jacob person? You know what? I knew Jacob. I met him in high school. He was a freshman, and I was a senior in high school. Okay. And I asked him to come and try out for our choir. Um, uh-huh. Unfortunately, he had declined because he was part of um, his youth group, and he led the worship on Friday evenings. Right. And a lot of our competition and um, practices were held on Friday evenings, so... Right. That's so, one thing he could not commit to. So, so we stayed friends throughout the the year, and as soon as I graduated, that's when I was contacted to help out. But you'd him. never you'd never played with him. No. And never where were him. you in your faith life at nineteen? You know what? That's a great question. Um, I recently rediscovered my faith by the end of my senior year in high school, uh-huh. and I had this fire and zeal just to to take over the world. Uh-huh. Um, very naive at that age, um, thinking that I was going to uh, help change and, and convert people's hearts to, to fall in love with Christ, and, and I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life, which right. I still am. Yeah, I am are. a youth minister full-time and a confirmation coordinator, Yeah, um, but I do it in, in in a level-headed way as opposed to a naive, um, on-fire Catholic yeah. that is just ready to take on the entire yeah, world. Yeah, no, that's okay. You're not 19 years old anymore. No. What, uh, uh, Michael Paul, is he there? Yes, he is. Michael, Michael Paul, so you guys were doing music as brothers. What was it like growing up in the Leon household? Were you was it a very musical household? 
Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, my dad played guitar and uh, would sing us, you know, folk songs and, you know, sort of stuff of that era, you know, when he grew up, which was like in the 60s and the 70s. And yeah. So, you know, he'd bring a lot of the stuff that he loved to, to, to sing and play and, and he'd, you know, teach us, you know, songs, you know, from like, you know, from James Taylor to Paul Simon to um, to Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, all that really, really, you know, sort of prominent stuff that right. was happening back then. And did you guys have to take music lessons or was that something that's just that happened by chance? Uh, or no, we've never formally taken any music lessons. Um, it's always just sort of been something that we've just sort of cultivated on, on our own and, and at home and, and with each other. So, um, yeah, we've never really had any formal training um, as far as like playing instruments or right. singing. I mean, you know, here and there, you know, we would you know, get a chance at what it is to have a vocal lesson, but, you know, we've never had, like, somebody who's trained us, you know, for years on end to, you know, right. to, to develop that way. Yeah. And who's older? Are you older? No, no, I'm younger. I'm Matthew's younger. I'm older. You're younger than Matthew. So a year younger. So you guys were very close growing up. How did this, how did you end up being a band signing a record deal with, was it Atlantic Records, you said? Yeah, it was Atlantic Records. Uh, we were, uh, my brother and I always sang together, and, uh, you know, Along with our older brother Mark, but uh, he okay. wasn't necessarily part of the Mark, Matthew, the and Michael Paul. Yes. Ma okay. Wow. Yeah. So the three of you sang together, but only the two of you got the record deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. No, Mark got how Mark got the bum end of the deal. No, Mark. Mark was <laughs> was doing his own thing at the at the moment, and he wasn't necessarily part of that sort of realm of musical pursuit that we were part of. So. Um, you know, Matthew and I growing up and singing together, it's just something we always had done. Actually, Matthew had snuck me into his, a couple of his, uh, his choir shows um, uh -huh. at his public high school. I went to private high school, Matt went to public high school, and mm -hmm. Matt had snuck me in a couple times just to be part of something, uh, you know, like right. that. Um, he's a good big brother, um, about 2% of the time. And about 98% of the time, he always gave me a hard time. That's a joke, everybody. Sorry, yeah, Matt's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, d befo before you pass on the phone back to Matthew, yeah. tell me, so Matthew has this little gig thing going on with this Jacob person. Mm -hmm. How did then the f band get formed? Did, did you remember Matthew coming home one day and saying, hey, Michael Paul, we, we need we need a, a singer. Or, or, you know, can you, can, you, can you join us? How did that work? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, how that happened was uh, Jacob was over at that point Matthew and Jacob were you know were comrades friends you know and they were doing their thing and I was just sort of on the outskirts listening to what was happening as they developed a, their first project scene in the making mm -hmm. and uh, you know I, I had given some input on some new songs that they were writing on our the second EP called Jacob's Ladder mm -hmm. and uh, um, you know I started helping with the writing process uh, at that moment and you know I sang a little bit and helped out with some melodies and and at that moment, I, I wasn't necessarily a guitar player. I didn't really play guitar much. Uh -huh. I just knew that I liked to sing, and, and there was a part of me that really liked to write songs. So, um, you know, there was this moment that we shared. We're like, man, we're young. We love Jesus. L let's 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 try something. Let, let's you know, let's give it a shot. Let, let's together as 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 the three of us try to write uh, really good music for for the church and for for God. And, and I think there was sort of a defining moment when uh, we went to this like hole in the wall studio in Anaheim. Yeah. Um, and we recorded th this EP for like $250, you know, yeah. when that was something that you had to do to pay for production. And yeah. and uh, we'd listened to the, to the tracks back, and I mean, you listen to it now, they're awful, but, oh my gosh, we were having a great time listening to them, you know, after we had gone to the studio for three hours to record five songs. Yeah. And uh, it was at that moment, we're like, all right, well, I guess we're going to continue on. And, 
and it's been going on since then. And so, but it was the three of you to start, and then since then you've acquired a bass player and a drummer. Well, we had had a drummer. Um, we had had a drummer named Renee and, and a bass player who, had, who was there from the beginning to help with Matthew and Jacob in the band, okay. Michael DeBellis, uh, yeah. Yeah. to start. And they were there in the studio to record that stuff. But for the songwriting and whatnot, um, you know, that was sort sort of Matthew, Jacob, and I. Right. Um, from you know. Right. Okay. So pass the phone back to Matthew. Sure. Um, uh, Matthew, how? Yeah. So so uh, you have. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's Every Day is an album. Trust is your newest album. Correct. And we have one more before that. It's called Universal. 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 Okay. And so what's new? What's what's coming down the pipes for you How uh, now that you're done with Trust? Now that we're done with Trust, we are in works of uh, making a liturgical album for World Library Publications uh-huh. and also um, a signature Jacob and Matthew album. Um, so we're in the middle of doing two projects uh, at the same time. Okay, and good. we're really excited right now. Um, that's all the time we have, but we're going to leave it there. Uh, this is great. Uh, your music is great. You guys are doing great work. Um, I'm really excited to, to have our listeners get to meet a new group yeah, that's doing good stuff. And I know a lot of people in your area are going to be seeking you out. Thank you, Deacon. Thank you, Deacon. That was Matthew and Michael Paul Leon of the Jacob and Matthew Band. You can learn more about them at their website, jacobandmatt.com. Uh, their music is published by World Library Publications. And here they are now from their new album, Trust, with the song People Rise Up. Step as we walk this journey with Christ, the love of God rooted in our lives, led by your love. We go. Proclaiming Christ and blessing the nations. Nos mantenemos firmes poniendo nuestra confianza en ti. Los corazones se abren dejando que nos renueve tu amor.
Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today I'm thinking about the people who are not thinking about faith. They've been hurt by the church or have had bad church experiences. They have strayed away. For whatever reason, their faith has been weakened. Maybe they feel that God is far away. This is the topic of a new book by Father Scott Hurd, whom we spoke to last year regarding his book on forgiveness. I spoke to Father Scott a few weeks ago about his new book, When Faith Feels Fragile. Thank you for having me on the program. Father Scott Hurd, back on the program, because you were, you were on the Salt and Light Hour before, speaking That's right. about your book, Forgiveness. Um, when Faith Feels Fragile, Help for the Weary, Weak, and wandering. Okay, all the alliteration aside, right. faith feels fragile. Weary, weary, the weary, the weak, and the wandering. Why? Who are these people? Um, all of us, um, at certain points of our lives. Uh, just two weeks ago, our Holy Father, during his Angelus address, uh-huh. spoke of the fragility of faith. Right. And he wasn't directing those words, I think, to a specific subset of the church. It, it's something that all of us experience at certain points along our, our spiritual journey. So at times we can all be weary, weak, and wandering, or are there people who are wanderers and people who are... Well, maybe we could pick one of those. Sometimes we're weary, sometimes we're weak, sometimes we're one. Maybe not all three at the same time. Weekly wandering. But, uh, yes. <laughs> so, why write this book? Why? What's, what journey were you on Right. made you write this book? Sure. Well, in pastoral ministry, uh, people share their lives with you and their faith struggles. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you come to really appreciate um, how difficult it is to be a person of faith um, at times. And that's been my experience as well. So in writing a book like this, okay, I'm preaching to myself, and, <laughs> and hopefully this is reflective of my experience in serving the people of God. So... And, and I and I agree with you because absolutely in in pastoral ministry you this I mean we these are the conversations that, that we most often have right. with people uh, call it doubt or call it unbelief or mm-hmm. call it struggles with particular church teaching or anger at that one priest who did whatever when I was you know having my first communion mm-hmm. all that contributes to a weak faith. Um, all of those factors, and we may not experience all of them, but everything you just enumerated can contribute to, to people feel like they're just kind of hanging on by a thread mm-hmm. in their faith commitment. So, now, this is a bit of an obvious question because I think you and I know the answer. Why, why is it important? Why is it important? I mean, if my faith is just hanging by a thread... I think it's helpful at one angle to reassure people that if they feel their faith is hanging on by a thread, it's not the end of the world, okay? Many people have experienced this, and it can get stronger. And so I hope to offer some hope. So I guess that my struggle is that this sort of um, assumes that people want something better. But don't we all? Um, it, it, maybe even not consciously, but, but deep down, we're, we're hardwired by God to have a relationship with Him. So someone who's, someone who's let's say, uh, an outright atheist, I, I'm angry at the church, or I don't believe in God, or whatever, can we look at that person and say, that's a fragile faith, or that's an absent faith? 
Um, is it the same thing? And how is that different than someone who went through a horrible illness and they're doubting? Sure, sure. You know, someone who is a professed atheist, mm -hmm. I, I think it's fair to say there's probably an absence of faith there. Yeah. But at the same time, deep down, there is a hunger for something more. Okay. Um, but someone who maybe is angry at the church or they're going through doubts, there is faith, but the, the foundation is a little bit shaky. So two different categories of, of people, but there, there is a common denominator. Right, in, in the sense that they need strengthening. That's right. Strengthening. Yeah. So what are some uh, factors that might contribute to people's faith feeling fragile? Sure. Well, you, you mentioned several of them earlier. Uh -huh. um, Anger at the church is one. Wrestling with doubts about mm -hmm. what the church teaches. Um, suffering in their life can lead people to question the goodness of God. And sometimes we just get distracted. Okay. We're, we're, we're so busy, we're so consumed with other things that time for faith matters seems like a luxury. Right. Yeah, and not a priority. Right. Okay, so that's probably a, mo a lot of people in you mm -hmm. know our cities, North America, too much driving around, kids to this place and that place, and That's work, right. and, um, and and not putting, not making faith a priority. That's right. That's right. Um, and so making faith a bit more of a priority, um, as much as we can, is certainly um, one prescription to strengthen yeah, our okay. faith. Yeah. Perseverance is a biggie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, even if we don't feel like God is active and present in our life, if we don't feel like making time for right. faith matters. Keeping on, keeping on, doesn't sound very exciting, no. but um, it's it's essential. Yeah, so perseverance, Right. Um, it's not unlike an athlete that has to persevere even though they might not feel that they're getting anything out of it. St. Paul mentions that quite yeah. often yeah, in his, his letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a yeah. lot of parallels between athletic training and the mm -hmm. spiritual life. Mm -hmm. um, but... In addition to that, I, I think it's important for us to recognize that God is present and active in our life 24-7. Every situation, every circumstance, that's right. And yeah. can we make an intentional effort to see the hand of God all around us? Um, you got to work at it, mm -hmm. it's, but, but if you work at it, the, the fruits, the benefits are immeasurable. Right. So uh, what about people who feel that their own faith is, is fine, strong, but their husband or their child or a loved one, mm -hmm. a parent, that they see them struggling. What are some practical things that that person can do? Sure, it's interesting you mention that because going around talking about this book, many older adults I have discovered are buying this for their, for their children, adult children yeah. who don't seem to be practicing yeah. the, the faith. Yeah. And uh, so I hope that uh, um, some hearts are, are opened um, mm -hmm. by what's in here, but uh, certainly for those persons, you know, we can take hope and inspiration from St. Monica, um, yes. who for persevered. years persevered in prayer for her son, St. Augustine, yes. through his um, winding his way through, mm -hmm. through life back to, to Christianity, um, and also to be a witness themselves. Right, a um, quiet witness. Absolutely, maybe. absolutely. Not trying to cram it down their throats, but the serenity of a strong faith the Lord can use in a very powerful way mm -hmm. to, to open the hearts of others, including adult yeah, children yeah. who may have wandered away. I heard an, an expression recently, 
that I don't think I had heard it before, but it said, get to know God while you're well, because you're going to need Him when you're not well. Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of times we wait until we're not well, and then we're just struggling. Yeah, you, scrambling. We, we need to we need to be brought to our knees before we're yeah. willing to get on our knees, and yeah. uh, mm. you know, in it's in those circumstances that God's invitation to give our lives to Him is heard the loudest. But do we really want to wait till we find ourselves in the foxhole um, yeah. before we we cry out to Him? That's true. Yeah. Something else you just reminded me. Something else I heard recently, and it said that God would rather you be anywhere in in you know in in debt court or in the hospital than be in a place of non-relationship with God. Because He loves yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that horrible, you know, trial that you might be going through or the divorce or that hospital is better. Mm-hmm. That's difficult. What, what did C.S. Lewis say? God whispers in our pleasures, but He shouts in our pains, <laughs> and, and sometimes He will shout to get our attention. Yes. But he'd prefer not to, yes. I think. Well, this book is not quite shouting, but it's definitely there for uh, anyone, not just the weary, weak, and wandering, but anyone who wants to uh, strengthen their faith. Don't wait until it's fragile to strengthen it. It's something that we need to continue doing. Uh, Father Scott Hurd is a priest with the Archdiocese of Washington, and he's the author of When Faith Feels Fragile, Help for the Weary, Weak, and Wandering. Um, he's also the author of Forgiven. Forgiven. Uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness. A Catholic approach. Yes. <laughs> forgiveness, a Catholic <laughs> approach. We actually did that interview last year. Um, so that's why I'm not thinking about it. Um, and this book, When Faith Feels Fragile, is available uh, through Pauline Books and Media at pauline.org. That was a conversation I had with Father Scott Hurd a few weeks ago. When Faith Feels Fragile, Help for the Weary, Weak, and Wandering is published by Pauline Books and Media. You can find it at pauline.org or if you're in Canada, call 1-800-668-2078. That's 800-668-2078. Here now is Sarah Hart with How I Will Remember from her new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. Shadow and light 
Sarah Hart with How I Will Remember from her new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. Now, last we heard from Sarah Hart, she was at the end of an Indiegogo campaign to fund her latest album, an album dedicated to those journeying through grief and into the light of hope. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Sarah Hart. Sarah, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. But I, I before we talk about uh, this new album, um, October yeah. 26. Where where were you on October 26? <laughs> on the Pope's meeting with the families. Tell us about that. What was it like to sing for for in the Vatican for Pope Francis? Oh, it was amazing. But it was so frightening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was it was beautiful. We had the best time and. Um, yeah, basically, it was for the pilgrimage of families to the tomb of St. Peter. Yeah. And they had about 150,000 people, so definitely the biggest crowd I've ever sung for. Mm-hmm. And um, and he basically gave a homily, and then I sang right after that. And then after the event, I got to go meet him, and, oh, it was incredible. Everybody was, you know, shaking his hand and kissing his hand, and I was just like, uh-uh, forget it. I'm going in for the bear hug. So <laughs> I just bear hugged him. <laughs> yeah? Kind of tackled him. <laughs> and? It was beautiful. Did he beautiful. say anything? Well, he doesn't speak a lot of English, I don't think. No, he so, doesn't. Yeah, so I, all I could really tell him was, um, well, I had letters in my hand yes. that my children had written, yes. and I had a letter that I had written, so I handed them to him and said, you know, here are letters from my children in America, and I love you, and thank you, and that was it. That was it. So, Aww. I don't know if he understood me or thought, gee, what is this crazy lady doing hugging me? But <laughs> but uh, it was incredible, and he's just so beautiful and so holy, and Honestly, Pedro, I'm still sort of emotionally processing the whole thing. Yeah, really. I know. I, I hear you. Um, how did that all come about? I mean, that's pretty, uh, pretty on. Uh, what an honor to be chosen to sing. You sang "Come yeah. to Light." It's not only your song, but you got to sing it. Right. It's so strange. Well, evidently, it's sort of interesting. The Vatican, I guess, they have like this sort of 
playlist. They they <laughs> listen they listen to Salt and Light Radio. They listen. Uh, do they? Okay. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So they have different little playlists, and this yeah. song, which is from a record I made a few records ago, they yeah. just loved and they wanted to be the closing prayer for this event, and so mm-hmm. that's really how it came about. I. I'd like to say, you know, a lot of people are asking me the question, how do you get to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. You sit around and And wait for somebody to call you on the phone. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. But that's really how it happened. So just a very quick invitation. And it was my 20th wedding anniversary. On that day? uh, It was actually on the 23rd, but my husband and I were able to call that our 20th anniversary Oh, what a beautiful... Beautiful, beautiful way to spend your 20th. Congratulations it on your was, 20th. It was. Thank you. Thank cool. You. Wow. Yes. I mean, we were all watching, and, and well, I didn't know when you were going to sing. So we thought, because there was all mm-hmm. these other singers singing beforehand. And then mm-hmm. the Pope started speaking, and I thought, what? The thing's going to be over. Where's Sarah? Yeah. And then you got to sing right after. It was perfect. It was perfect. Well, they went so long, too, that they had to cut yes. off my song almost at the end in, on, on Italian television because they were over time. Yes. So, you know, but the the Italians, they do it upright, man. It was like a five-hour event. It went on and on and on and on. And it's so. clockwork. Yeah, and they, they, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, what a blessing. What a blessing. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk Thank about the album. Guys. Let's talk about the album because that's what, what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, <laughs> um, this is your eighth album, Above Earth's Lamentation. Um Yes, is, is it and I'm only 29. How does that work? Yeah, yeah right. Um, <laughs> you uh, is this what you say is your first thematic album? Have you ever worked on anything that's this, on a particular theme like this? No, this isn't my first. Saint song was oh, all yes. about yeah, the of saint, course. you yeah, know. Of course. And then, um, of course, the Christmas album that I did yeah, before this right. record—that's all Christmas. But I'd say that. You know, this is definitely the one that I think was the hardest to do and the closest to my own personal soul. It was definitely me laying it there. And um, so in that in that aspect, it's been the hardest one to do. And is it too personal to ask where all this came from? Were you experiencing well, loss and grief? Yeah, let me just tell you, my family went through a really rough couple of years of grief Um we just had some terrible things that were happening to us, and then we had some tragic deaths and um, just very, very hard things, one thing after another. You know, sometimes it goes like that mm-hmm. in families where you'll be so fine and riding that wave and unscathed for so long, and then everything happens at once, right. and that's kind of where we were. Uh-huh. And um, it was very difficult walking through all of that, uh, very personal, very hard, and Grief is an incredibly lonely place, you know, yeah. it really is. And so I think for me to make the album, it was sort of a catharsis of, you know, I think a lot of people who are going through the grieving process don't feel like they can address it or reach out to anybody about it. The world is kind of telling them, hey, you know, just you need to get over it. Put a smile on your face. And the truth is, right. I think that's terrible. <laughs> we have to be able to walk through it. And so hopefully that's by my walking through it, I hope that that translated to helping other people walk through it via music. So while you were going through your own grief, were you writing songs or did this all come after uh, as an afterthought? Well, you know, it's funny. I was writing songs the whole time because I'm a songwriter, you know, so I was doing my normal thing, writing three times a week, just, you know, writing songs. And there came a point when I I was writing a lot by myself as well. 
which very much goes in ways, but mm. uh, for whatever reason, I was writing a lot by myself. And sort of when I looked back at the body of the songs I'd written over two years, I realized that I had been, in effect, writing right. myself through the grieving process. Of course. So of course. on the recording, pretty much the songs are in the order that they were written. And I really was a classic case, you know, where I through the anger and the denial and the depression and right. the acceptance and, you know, just basically those those five steps of walking through um, intense grief. And so I think the album really portrays that as well, uh, you know, and, and from, from the darkest part to the lightest part. And would you say then that this album is very specifically for people who are grieving or going through a period of loss as, as sort of helping them walk walk through with them? I think so. That's certainly my intention. Um, I, I think it's a great album to listen to just anyway, but really my intent with this was to provide people a safe place to go if they are hurting, a safe place to go if they are broken, to be able to put music in your car or in your home mm -hmm. and listen and be ministered to quietly in that place of loneliness, sort of, because grief really is a lonely landscape. It really is, and I think... That surprised me more than anything. But but so, yes, I, I hope, that's my hope for it, is for it to really minister to those who want the world to stop telling them get over it, but actually want to walk through it with grace and dignity and find some hope at the end of it. Right. Now, you also got to collaborate with a lot of other people on some of the songs? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I wrote, um, I think I wrote seven by myself, and then there were three co-writes on the record. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, what's new then? What's new for you? More more music? I guess you're always writing music, so I guess there's more. I, am. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I'm really interested in just um, seeing how this this recording is received. And I couldn't tell you what's next. I It's a very funny thing, Pedro. You're probably like me in this, but I just feel like God puts his hand on my head and says, okay, now walk over there. Okay, yeah. now walk over there. Yeah. I kind of never know what's going to be next. And I think that's okay. As an artist, that's got to be okay. I know that there will be something next, but mm -hmm. I, part of the joy of it is discovering what the heck that is. Yeah. So I don't know yet. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm writing a ton and, you know, I'm traveling a ton and yes. doing a lot of events. And so we'll see where, where God, where God's taking me right yeah. now. He's saying, just be a mom. <laughs> and that's important. Yes. Cause your daughters are growing. Oh um, my goodness. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you continue doing your retreats and, and, or whatever speaking sessions or parish oh, yeah. ministry missions. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I've pretty much been gone every weekend since August. So it's been a little oh, rough. Really? And I'm out until Christmas, but you know it's good. And, and my girls are going with me sometimes, which is really good. nice. I love when I get to take them. Good, good, because most of them are for women anyway, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or youth, or yeah, teens, or women, or just concerts. I'm still trying parties. to get into one of them, but they won't let me in. <laughs> I told you, you have to wear a dress. Yeah, That's daughter all of God. You need. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need. Anyway, Sarah, it's so good to talk to you again. I'm sure we'll 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 stay in touch and and looking forward to more music from you. Thank you, Pedro. And I want to say really quickly too, thank you for what you do and thank you for what Salt and Light does because there are not a lot of people out there who support Catholic music so beautifully. So thank you for doing that. I know all of us who are artists and musicians really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and it's great to, to have your support because without your support, we wouldn't be able to do it either. 
So it's good, and 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 again, congratulations on your twentieth uh, wedding anniversary. And it Thank was you. it was such great joy to to my anticipation was not to listen to the Pope, but to watch Sarah singing her song. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I, I shouldn't say that, you know, on public radio. Anyway, <laughs> it was great. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It's a it's a treasured treasured thing that I'll carry in my heart always. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, God bless. Say hi to your family for me. You too. Love you, Pedro. You can learn all about Sarah Hart, about her music, her ministry, find out what she's doing, when she's coming, if she's coming to a town near you, book her for a retreat or parish mission. And of course, you can buy her music at her website, sarahhart.com. And her music is also published by spiritandsong.com. Here now is Sarah Hart with Hallelujah is Our Song from that new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. What hope we have listening to Sarah Hart with Hallelujah is Our Song from her new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and also look for us on Facebook. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Perry.